you are in the fall, 5th through 12th grade, after worship. You're in with us for worship tonight. After worship, you guys will be following Josh and, and Chamberlain. We'll, we'll pray for them as they go. But anyway, so we're kicking off some new stuff tonight. So after worship, they'll be gathering. Uh, kids' church is happening in the basement, by the way. So uh, my wife's down there wrestling with the kids tonight. So uh, good for her. We'll, we'll pray for her, too. Anyway, so uh, before we get into worship tonight, somebody tell me, why do we worship? Who's got, I want some interaction here. Why, and you're allowed up here, too. Why, why do we worship? Anybody know? Huh? You're thankful. We're, we're responding to the goodness of God. Right. That, that's one. What else? Why, why do we worship? Well, why do we praise? Why do we praise? Yeah. Because you love the Lord. How many of y'all are growing in your love for God? I hope. Okay. I don't know about you. I didn't get saved because I love God. I got saved because I wanted forgiven. Then I realized I need to grow in love for him. So, I'm, so we, we what, what else? What else? Whoa, whoa, where'd that come from? Oh, yeah, Patsy, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, he, he, and he come in habits, his presence with us. How many of y'all would love for the Holy Spirit to move freely tonight, anybody? Okay. Nathan, what were you going to say? Uh-huh. Yeah, we're responding to the fact that he first loved us. So all those different things. So we, and by the way, it, worship is an uh, outward expression of where your life is headed. All right? And, and, and we sing. You know, worship is, is what you do every day. How you live is worship is something, right? Hey, Justin, flip, flip those lights the rest of the way. They're kind of giving us a strobe effect tonight. Turn, turn them off. We'll go worship. There, oh, yeah. How about we do that tonight? So, um... So it's an outward expression. So, so you sing, you clap, you dance, you raise your hands up, you bow down, because it's an outward expression of what's happening inside of you. So worship is not going through the motions, right? It involves your whole being, your, your thoughts, your words, your bodies involved. Because we love the Lord God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and it shows up in our worship. Isn't that right? So we're not here to, to open up do this to, to kind of go through the motions of something, but we're zealous after God. And our heart is after Him. So we spend time tonight, and it's so important to do this in unity. Now, I, ho I hope you're a worshiper when you're not here. But we come together in unity because it draws us together and unifies us together. So we're strong together worshiping together, and as Pastor said, then, then God inhabits the praises of us as we're unified together tonight. Amen? So, why don't we stand up on our feet? Lord, we thank you. We'll come to your house tonight and be with you. And we dedicate ourselves to you once again to spend time in worship and in praise and celebration because of your goodness of who you are, because of your love, and, and we're just thankful. And we're responding to who you are for all the things you've done, all the things we could never fully repay you for other than just following you and, and, and serving you and, and, and worshiping you. You are our everything. And we praise you tonight in Jesus' name.
in Jesus' name.
desperate for you, Lord. We want more of you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
everybody. It's good to have you all tonight, live streamers. Welcome. We're, we're glad you're tuning in with us tonight and watching us on uh, Facebook Live. How many, how many of y'all can't get enough of Jesus? Anybody? I, I hope. I hope. I hope you are never satisfied. You know, I hope you are never satisfied. I hope that, that you continue to dive into the depths of who God is. And, and I, we could spend uh, eternity probably learning and, and growing and coming to the knowledge of understanding of God. And, and I hope you're not satisfied. I, I hope uh, you're, you're driven each day to be with him and, and that you stir yourself up to get into the Word when you have time and, and, and pray. I was just thinking, I was just thinking the other day, there's some different things, just, uh, but I was thinking, man, I really, I'm just telling you my own thoughts, but I really, really would love, want to learn what it means to pray continually. You know, just different aspects of, of, uh, of just more of the depths of God and His presence and who He is. Don't, don't ever be satisfied. Don't ever stop digging, but you got to get the shovel out. You know what I mean? You got you got to put put some work to it, right? In other words, and 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 don't think of it as legalistic work, but but you have to desire and want and then do something with it to to continue to know Him. Anyways, offering. So if you have uh, something to give, you can go ahead and prep that. If you need an offering envelope, there in the chairs in front of you. If you you don't see one there, wave your hand around and one of these great ushers. Aren't our ushers great? They're good, good people. Anyways. Anyhow, always serving us. Uh, they can help you out if you need one. And, and just simply, you know, your giving uh, is, is important, but it's, it's not just about um, you actually giving. But what is God doing in you because you give? That's the most important thing. And, and, and we, we tithe, and we believe in the tithe, and the 10%, but it's not always the amount per se, but it's what it is doing for the condition of your heart. Because you, you can give a lot to, and, and feel uh, that you're doing good in your giving, but if your heart isn't being changed, it's not doing what it's supposed to do. Right? So we give tonight. We give in faith, but Jesus is teaching us something, all the stuff he asked of us. And we got to have eyes open and ears open to hear what he's doing and grab hold. And, and as we were talking about in the parable of the sower, remember then, then that revelation's got to come in and get, get rooted in your soil and grow. And then, then produce kingdom things. Amen? Amen? All right. Let's pray over your offering. If you have something when I'm done, you can bring it down. Lord, thank you. Be able to come to your house and be with you, spend time with you, Lord. And I just, I just pray, Lord, that that you're pleased with our worship and our giving tonight, and, and I pray that we continually grow and learn to be people who live by faith. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, everybody says, amen. amen. If you have something, you can bring it down tonight. Some uh, quick announcements. The youth are meeting tonight. It was kind of a one-off uh, because what we're going to fall into now is every fourth Wednesday night, from here on out, the youth will be meeting during church on Wednesday, just like tonight after worship. Uh, they'll be getting together. And we, we hope, actually, by the end of the summer that increases. We're just starting right now with once a month. 
then we're going to work to increase that. Uh, where are they meeting? Well, they were going to meet outside tonight, but it's raining, so uh, they're finding a spot in the building, and, and, and having said that, um, uh, the senior center is getting closer. Amen. They're getting closer, and uh, we're believing that by the end of the month, they'll have temporary occupancy and all their stuff will start to go. And, and for our kids' church, even started at night, but Sunday, they actually are starting to use one of the rooms downstairs. So that's really cool. So we're, we're getting into that, but then uh, hopefully by the next time youth meet, there'll be a place for them if it's raining outside. But they're, they're meeting somewhere in the building. Anyhow, so keep praying for that. That's all great, but what that means is when the senior center finally vacates, we have more work to do. So you can look at it how you want to. Um, now, we do have some things up here we've got to button up yet, but... We're looking forward to that and uh, being able to expand downstairs because we want our kids to just have the best, right? And we want to do something very nice for them down there. We want the best for them. We want our kids to enjoy to come to church and want to come to church. And same thing for our youth. So uh, we're headed down that road, and I'm excited about that. Um, we're continuing to sign up for baptism. We had some people that were going to be baptized Sunday, and then something came up on their schedule. They couldn't be here. So we're kind of putting it off a couple weeks. So uh, if you want to be water baptized, sign up in the back, and we'll get that out in a couple weeks. And the only other announcement is, yes, Vacation Bible School, Camp Promise Rock is coming, uh, let's see, June the uh, 28th, that's a Monday, 29th, Tuesday, and Wednesday, June 30th, from 6 to 8 p.m. We're doing a Vacation Bible School right out front on our front lawn. It's not going to rain. It's going to be great weather. Um, but what we're going to do is a couple things. On June the 6th, or not 6th, that's Sunday. So was my date right? It's June the 6th, Sunday. Whatever the Tuesday is after this Sunday. June 8th. We, June 8th, thank you. We'd like to get together here at 6 o'clock for those that can, and we're going to canvas the neighborhood and invite them out to the BBS. We have flyers, just go door to door and knock and invite people out. So it'll be our, kind of our first outreach in town. So on Tuesday, next Tuesday, 6 o'clock right here, and put, we'll just put an hour or so into it and see how far we get and go from there. So that's one thing. So we want to start reaching the neighborhood with the gospel of Jesus. Amen. Amen? I know some people have been asked, when are we going to do something? Well, here we go. Now's your chance. So uh, next Tuesday, we're going to go door to door out here. Um, and then with that, then uh, Jared Kaiser, who's the children's pastor at the Kenton uh, only believe campus. He wrote this, this uh, vacation Bible school. He puts them on all the time. The guy's a great guy. He was here a couple Wednesdays ago and he had like 20 kids with him. That was Jared and Linda. Um, but anyhow, but he's going to put it on. He's going to lead it, but we're going to help. So starting Sunday, there's going to be a sign-up back there for you to help. So you'll be able to sign up for different aspects of, of the Vacation Bible School each night. So we want to support it, obviously, and we need help. So uh, we encourage you to get involved in it. And it's for our kids, obviously, and also then uh, for the kids in the neighborhood. And the ages for it is preschool up through fifth grade. So that's happening. We're excited about that. And by the way, back on the back, there are flyers, half-sheet flyers. You can take those and invite people out. Okay, don't, you can take as many as you want. We'll print a million of those things. We have to. So, anyways, we're excited about this. So, watch for the sign-up Sunday, and hopefully next Tuesday we have a handful of you out to uh, canvas the neighborhood about that. Anyhow, that's all my announcements. So, let's get our words out. So, if you got your Bible, pull that thing out and uh, get your phone out if it's on there. We're in the um, second part of a series, Dealing with Struggle. 
Here's what I know. Everybody deals with something at some point. It's not like you, you struggle all the time, but people go through different periods of struggle in their life, and they struggle with different things. There, there is no one catch-all for struggle. And we could, we could spend months breaking down different kinds of, of struggle and talking about it. So I, we're going to hit a few different topics on this over the next while. But um, struggle is not sin. You should not be in shame if you struggle. Right? And, and what I know about God is, as much as we like him to be the genie in the bottle, where if we just rub enough of the righteous acts, he'll pop out and give us our three wishes. He's not like that. Right? He is a good God who answers our prayers, but he just doesn't hit the easy button in our life all the time and just take it out of things. He allows growth. Because growth produces things in us. Perseverance, maturity, things of this nature, James chapter 1. So people deal with struggle. And by the way, struggle is not because you lack faith. We just need to throw that out there too. Um, can you struggle because you don't have faith? Yes. But I do know the Bible says if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, that's not, that's not a whole lot. That, that, that's just, see, you know, when, the, when the, Jesus uh, with the disciples says, you have little faith, and he kind of gets after them, but then you think, well, he said faith, what's the difference? Little faith is when you're distracted from what God has said. But if you have faith the size of the mustard seed in what God has said, you can move a mountain. But often we don't get the mountain moved how we want, as fast as we want, and, and we struggle. You see? So it's, it's not wrong to struggle. It's not necessarily lack of faith because you struggle. We just live in an imperfect world, and it's a kingdom now and not yet because it's not yet. We go through stuff. So we got to start beating ourselves up because we struggle. Okay? You are not disqualified if you struggle. You're not put on a shelf somewhere. If God, if God stopped using people who struggle, who could he use? So if you find struggle in the Bible, oh my goodness, have you read it? I was saying a couple weeks ago uh, when we started this, in my own personal time where I'm at in the Old Testament, I was reading uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that whole story. In Genesis. You want to talk about some people who struggle. You want to talk about some people who, uh, in, the, in what God has said, when it didn't happen fast enough, they tried to find a different way to do it and mess things up. You want to talk about people who struggled? Yeah, they're in here. Did, did David, the man after God's own heart, did he struggle? Did, did Paul struggle? We talked about this. He, the thorn in the flesh that he asked God to take away, but but God's response, my grace is sufficient for you because power is made perfect in your weakness. So, so we begin to discover God in new ways because we struggle. Right? And his power is made perfect in our struggle. And we grow through our struggles more than God just easy buttons it away. 
and that's the fact of, of, of life. So uh, tonight's topic, though, I have to go back on something I said. Tonight, tonight uh, we want to talk specifically about struggling with a sin. Now, again, struggle is not sin unless your struggle is with a sin. That's why i got to go back a step. So if you struggle with a sin, if you're in the sin, then it's sin. You, you, can't, you can't hide that, right? But here's what I know is, is people, there are people who struggle with specific sins in their life. A specific thing. Now, now there are people who sin and they don't really realize they're sinning. How many know what I'm talking about? And there's some people that are just in the process of growth and, 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 and God uh, working in them and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. They're realizing aspects of their life that needs to change. But there are some people who know. They know. And there is a, maybe a specific thing or two that they continually struggle with, even though they don't want to, they still struggle with it. How I many know what I'm talking about? And um, so I want to address this tonight. Before I get to some points about it, um, some reminders. And these are reminders that, that we... When it comes to things like this, we have to keep this at the forefront of our mind with this because um, sometimes we get used to our struggle. You see what I'm saying? And our struggle can become commonplace. And especially with something like sin, then, then it loses its edge on the fact that it shouldn't be commonplace. So, so I don't care what your struggle is. Don't, don't let it be commonplace. Don't stay there. We're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but don't camp out. Don't pitch a tent there. Keep going. Stay in the struggle to come through the struggle. I don't care what the struggle is. That's your mentality. Jesus brings us through. Now, when we're talking about struggling with a specific sin, it's all the more true. That we don't, we don't allow it to be commonplace and just the normal aspect of our life. So we got to have some reminders so it never stays that way. So um, the first thing is this, is that you have to remember the wages of sin is... See, when we struggle with a sin, a lot of times what happens is that we're not experiencing immediate judgment on that sin. Right? But we have to remember that even if we don't feel or experience immediate judgment on it, sin is always producing death in some way in our life, no matter what. Now, what did Jesus come to bring us? Life and life to the what? Full, abundant life. An area of sin that is residing in you that you just can't seem to uproot is a place of your life that's constantly producing death that goes against the life that Jesus is trying to produce. That's right. Right? So, never forget, the wage of sin is always death in some manner. And you can't lose that edge in seeing it that way. Right? Can't be commonplace. So, um, and by the way, the, the reason most of us return to a sin over and over again is because it's satisfying in some manner. It's gratifying. We like it. Yep. Listen, I don't do things that I hate to do for the most part. 
on my own will. Now, I unload the dishwasher pretty frequently. I don't enjoy to do it, but that's not because I want to, because she's not here, but you know. I got to play my part in the, in the upkeep of the house, right? But I'm talking about my voluntary actions. I generally don't do stuff that I don't like, things that I hate. I just don't generally do them, right? The reason people come in the sin is because there's something about it that draws them. They're, they're satisf satisf satisfying gratification. There, there's something. Uh, it, just, it just draws us. So we gravitate back towards it. But we often replace the abundant life of eternity for temporary satisfaction and gratification. And we lose the edge that even though it brings me some sort of temporary satisfaction, it is producing death in my life. It's a reminder. The wages of sin is death. There's another reminder. Why didn't Jesus come to fix this stuff? Jesus came to deal with the sin problem because sin is the, capital T-H-E, the problem. Right? As a matter of fact, Jesus suffered for our sins so we could be forgiven of our sins but also be set free from our sins. So we don't need to live in them any longer. Right? So, if it was that important that Jesus would come and do everything that he did, culminating with dying on the cross, we can't lose the edge of what that's about either. The wage of sin is death, but Jesus has come to give us freedom. That's how important it is to overcome the wage of sin, which is death. We can't forget about this stuff. Now, by the way, uh, if Jesus forgives us, we have to start learning how to forgive ourselves. And that's hard. We've got to come out of shame and condemnation for our past. And, and, and sometimes, because we fall consistently in something, we feel so shameful to come back to him for help. You know what I mean? And remember, your struggle, we talked about this last time, your struggle either will push you towards God or push you away. What's it going to do? Do you jump into him because of your struggle or because of whatever reason you walk away from him? When it comes to sin, often because it's a struggle, and we understand sin, we know it's a sin, we know what God feels about sin, yeah, we kind of go the other way. When the whole time he's like, hey, I want to help you. Come to me. Let me help you struggle and deal and wrestle with this. So we can't allow shame and condemnation to push us away from him, but it should cause us to come to him because simply we need him. And we got to live like we need him. You, by the way, do you believe that you've been forgiven? Well, I'm talking 100%. Do you believe that? Forgive yourself. Now, now, wait, wait, I, I, this is like, oh my gosh, like the 10th, 20th, th you come, his grace is sufficient for you. Amen. Then his power is made perfect in your weakness. 
Now, that's not an excuse to sin. But we shouldn't stay away from him because we feel shameful. Right? So we can't forget that. Now, by the way, Jesus doesn't condemn you. Your sin does. Is that right? Jesus does not condemn you. Your sin. Remember Jesus and the woman that was brought to him that was in adultery? All these wise religious leaders drugged this lady to Jesus. By the way, where was the guy at? That's another question. Anyway, they brought the woman. Should have drugged two of them there, but only brought the woman. Who'd have thought, right? So remember what Jesus said? After the whole thing, listen, if you're without sin, cast a stone, the, the oldest ones, the wisest ones, one by one, they went away, and they was left with her. What did he tell her? Listen, I don't condemn you for this. But go and what? Sin no more. Jesus doesn't condemn you. Your sin will, but he offers you an opportunity to get out of your sin and freedom. Right? That's, that's, that's his work. That's what he does. So he's not angry. He didn't yell and scream at her. Didn't recount all her faults to her. Didn't hold it over her head. But he offered a way through and said, listen, but you, you've got to come to a place where this is not the way you live. Right? Or else why would he have come to deal with the sin problem? Another thing you've got to keep on the forefront of your mind is there will be judgment. We, can, we can't... We can't sugarcoat this too much. What happens is, because sometimes we don't feel judgment in the moment, we often forget there will be judgment for sin. And you've got to remember this. Right? Because things will be held to account. Right? It's God... Uh, expecting perfection? No. But he's expecting people after his heart who are dealing with life with him according to what he's called us to. So your struggle with sin doesn't necessarily disqualify you unless you just let it run and, and, and just do its thing. But if you're in the struggle and you're striving and you're pushing and Jesus is with you, then he, the state of your heart is where it needs to be. Right? You see, you see what I'm saying? But there will be judgment for sin. We have to remember this. So Romans 6.1. Romans 6.1. By the way, I would take time to read Romans 6 at some point. It gets into... Uh, Slaves of sin versus slaves of righteousness and different things like this. But Romans 6 1. So here's a challenge. It says, This is Paul. I think at some point on Wednesday night we're going to do a walk through the book of Romans. That'll be pretty, pretty good. Paul writing, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can. We who have died to sin still live in it. So, when you are saved, are you made a new creation? Are you baptized with him in his death and then resurrected to new? Yeah. So you have died to your sin. Why would you live in it any longer? Why would you go back to what Jesus is bringing you out of? So, so the question was, if, if, well, if, it's, if God is so graceful, wouldn't we want to stay in that so his grace would abound? He's just like, no. No, just, just because God is graceful, it's not an excuse to stay in your sin. 
You ever hear somebody say, well, I know God will forgive me. So I'm going to purposely do this because I want to do it. And I know he'll forgive me later. You're canceling out the grace of God. Right? So we shouldn't stay in sin because of grace. And do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too may walk in what? Newness of life. See, that's the whole point of abundant life. The point of abundant life is the newness of life that Christ affords us. So we don't stay in our sin. Well, then why do I struggle? Why, why is there something that draws me and, and it just seems like I fall to it? Well, I think that... I think, Okay, let me, let me say something that's going to sound mean, but when you take it to heart, sometimes I think we make too many excuses for ourselves. That's right. Let's be honest. And sometimes we use God's grace as an excuse... Paul's dealing with here. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying you should be uh, uh, condemning to yourself, but you have to remove excuse for areas of sin in your life when you know it's sin. The devil made me do it. No. The devil may have tempted you, but you in your will choose sin. I'm, I'm talking about willful, I'm, you see what I'm saying? I'm talking about willful, knowing what I'm about to do is sin and still doing it anyways. We can't make excuse for those actions. And we've got, we got to call it for what it is. We've got to remember, the wage of sin is death. If I participate in this, I'm promoting death in my life. Right? And why would I jump into something that Jesus came to fix. Why would I do that? Why would I, would I honor him for suffering that then go back against it and willfully jump into this? You see, sometimes we just have to be very straight about this. Because I think sometimes the, the grace of God is sugar-coated to the place, well, it's okay, just do whatever you want. It, God, God will love you. Yeah, he loves you. Is, does his grace about, oh my goodness, I saw a billboard the other day. It had the word grace, had sin, and the, the greater than sign. Remember, math, greater than. Grace is great. Well, yeah, it's greater than sin. But you've got to live in the grace. <laughs> so it's greater than the sin. Right? That's right. So what we have to do is this. There, there are areas of your life that you have to consider the fight of your life. And you have to decide. Now, here, let me just say this. In, in talking to people that struggle with certain sins, they will tell you, I'm telling you, man, I, I, I have tried. I've said a hundred times, I will never do this again. You know what I'm talking about? Uh -huh. And I prayed, and I just, I felt confident. I'm going to stay clear of this. I'm going to, I, I get it. I know that. There's a lot of great intentions but then we still fall into patterns, okay? You've got to treat this like it is the fight of your life. 
because it promotes death in you. And depending on what it is, it could then promote death around you. If you think about it that way. Right? And it being the fight of your life, you have to expose it for what it is. In other words, you can't be so comfortable with it, it's really not sin in your mind. You've got to call it sin when it's sin and expose it. And you've got to bring the light to it. And flat out say, this is sin. When you are tempted, this is sin. And call it. Call it what it is. Right? And you've got to bring the light to it. Well, it makes me feel good. It is sin. It satisfies me. It is sin. I like it. It is sin. And you've got to start there. Because it's the fight of your life. Because the devil will use any channel he can get. Now I bring destruction right there, but then, then he'll, he'll, try to, he'll try to start sweeping around it. And if he can start a mini whirlwind right there, he, he will destroy as much as he can destroy with that. Right? It, to the point that you've got to expose so much, you may have to talk to somebody. The more you hide stuff, the more you keep coming back to it. good to get help. We'll talk about that in a minute. You got, you got to call it for what it is. You have to expose it. So, when you are tempted, what do you do when you're tempted? See, that's, that's the whole ball of wax right there. See, for somebody that struggles with a sin, they'll tell you, I struggle with a sin. Well, you know it's a sin, right? Therefore, at some point, something happens where you're tempted to that sin. Right? What do you do when you're tempted? You got to call for what it is. You, in your mind, you have to say, I am being tempted right now. Got to call for what it is. Expose it. This, what I'm feeling or what I'm seeing, what's happening to me, I am being tempted. And I'm trying to be drawn to death in here. And you call it for what it is. And what do, you, what do you do in that moment? Here's what I know. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Here, here's some encouragement for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And verse number 13. No temptation or, or testing or trial, different ways you can... See that word translated. No temptation to overtaken you that is not common to man. Now, now, let me just say this. Let me throw that out there. You are not alone in whatever you're being tempted in. That means in your temptation, you're, you're not a bad person because you're tempted. You see what I'm saying? You're, you're not unique in this temptation. Pe People have been around long enough that everybody's been tempted in all sorts of different ways. There is no uncommon temptation that happens to man. You are not alone. Right? So no temptation comes to you which isn't common. And, and then it goes on to say, but God is faithful. Yes. God, God is faithful. 
Shall we say it again? God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Now, right there comes some accountability. In the goodness of God, we live in a world that's messed up, lost in sin, even in the kingdom's sake now and, and, and not yet. But in God's sovereignty and his goodness, we're never tempted beyond what we can handle. That is why there's judgment. It wouldn't be fair if we'd be tempted beyond what we could handle, then he judges us for it. So there's no temptation beyond what you can handle. So there's some, temp there's some accountability there. But with temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. What do you do when you're tempted? You identify her. I'm being tempted right now. For the one zillionth time in this thing, I'm being tempted right here. And that's sin. You call it for what it is. Temptation, I'm calling it for what it is. Temptation is sin. What am I going to do? Am I going to lean into him and allow him to bring my escape? Or am I, am I going to ignore all the warning signs and the whistles and the, and, the, and the red light flashing, temptation, sin, but I like it. feels good. It's satisfying. It's whatever. Or are you going to step back and say, this is destruction. I don't know how I'm going to do this, but God, I need you. And you lean back into him and allow him to provide your way out. You see what I mean? That in our struggle, God's power is made perfect in our weakness. Do you realize that in your struggle, you will discover God's in ways that, that you would never have discovered him any other way? And in the struggle with this specific sin, he will, he will help you overcome in a way that you discover him in a new way that your struggle turns to strength. You see? But what do you do when you're tempted? That, that's, that's the whole deal right there. If you're able to call it for what it is, why would you go into it? willfully walk into a place of death. You see, right? So you got to call temptation for what it is. You got to call sin for what it is. And, and you have to deal with it. It's the fight of your life. By the way, do you know, do you know one of the greatest things that I see is, uh, I'll give you an example. So uh, we, we do, um, uh, we set up a lot of small groups. We're headed down the road to small groups here. When we, when we have small groups um, uh, that deal with specific issues, who are the best people to lead those groups? Those that have been there, done that, and came through the other side. See, God will begin to reap where he did not sow. He didn't sow that in you, but buddy, he brought you through, and now you're able to turn around and help somebody who's been where you've been. 
And your struggle turns into a triumph, not for you, but for somebody else. Right? So we have, we have a small group over there. We'll start one here eventually. Uh, it, it meets off church night on Saturday night. It's a group dealing with pornography. There is a couple who are married that, that both had struggled in pornography before they're married. They got married, overcame their addictions, and now they're running a small group helping bring people out of their addiction to pornography. And it is just like the coolest thing. See, 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 see what God can do? He can take a mess and make it good, but make it good in such a way that you're helping other people. That's what God's about, right? But, but if you ask them, was it easy, they'd go, no. Did God, was it just an easy button one day? Just no. Did they struggle through? Yep. Did they fall a lot? Yep. Did they get back up? Yep. Fall seven times, how many times are you going to get up? Seven. You clean, clean the blood off your knees, put some Band-Aids on. You, keep, you, don't, get, you don't get off the course because you fell. You got to get back up. And you got to keep going. See, that's the struggle. The struggle is keep going. Don't give up. Don't quit. Keep at it. Keep at it. God's going to bring me through. I, fail. I know I failed, but I'm going to keep at it. Right? That's, that's what you need. But see, part of that is also this, is... Because we grow through our struggles, you have to grow. Do you think about this? So the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22, love, joy, peace, all the way down through. And right after it says, against such things there is no law, and it talks about keeping step with the Spirit, right? Right Right before the list of the fruit of the Spirit, what did Paul list? A whole bunch of sin, right? He didn't call them the fruit of flesh, but that's what it was. It wasn't an all-inclusive list of sin in the world, but he listed some stuff. He said, you know what, boom, 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 but the fruit of the Spirit. Now, think about that. A bunch of sin, a bunch of fruit of the Spirit, and a but in between. Here's a bunch of wrong stuff, but here's what God will produce. And what Paul is getting at is, is we grow from here into here. In other words, you can't manage your sin. You can't willfully just get through it. You have to grow into something else. You don't just stop a sin, but something of the kingdom grows in its place. So you got, see, that's the problem. People struggle with sin. Eventually, they, they, they allow that struggle to push them from God. No, no, no. You got to stay, not only to help you in the moments of temptation, but to grow you to a place where it's not a stronghold any longer. You got to keep growing. Because the producing of growth will bring you through. Now, does that mean you'll never be tempted there? No. But what it means is you're just not so easy to step into it. So, so it, it, let's say uh, you, you just have this, 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 this uh, response of anger all the time. You know it's sinning. You can feel it welling up, and that temptation, let it fly is there. And, and, but all of a sudden, you, you grow enough. Instead of being anger, all of a sudden, man, you're gentle. Whoa, who'd have thought? There, there's a transition happening. You don't just stop being angry. You start being kind and gentle. Oh, my goodness. Patient. You see, there's a change. There's a change happening. 
It's not just stopping, but there's a change. So you've got to stay in growth. So what do you do when you're tempted, but beyond that, are you continually pressing in so there's growth happening in you? You can't force it. Remember, the kingdom's like a seed and it grows. But the growth process will produce things in you that take you away from what you were to live the newness of life. Got to be growing. And and the last thing is, uh, real quick, and I mentioned this earlier, you've got to get help sometimes. Iron sharpens iron, Proverbs 27, 17. So one man helps another. Now, I would encourage you not to tell everybody about your struggles. It's not a good idea. I wouldn't be out there posting it on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, whatever you got. Not a good idea. But if you have a person or two that, that you consider strong and wise, and confidential. And remember, uh, Paul writes, you know, when you store, you restore people back in the church who have fallen sin, be careful that you're not tempted in, in their way. So, so it's got to be somebody that you're not going to draw into your temptation, you know, with you, but somebody who can help you, that will be honest with you, and be willing to walk with you, walk you through. You know, that's important. Because, again, you know, the Bible says that we confess our sins to one another. Why? So we can help each other. Because the struggle is real. So sometimes you just got to be open and say, hey, man, or, or ladies, hey, hey well, I don't know what you guys call it here, but I know, hey, man. So you got a moment, can I, can I get with you, grab some coffee? I'm struggling. I just want somebody that maybe in a moment of temptation I can call. Maybe it's somebody I know will pray for me. Somebody that will be real with me. You know? And you, you don't want somebody who will just, just sweep it under the rug. Oh, it's okay. No big deal. Be, no, listen, you've got to stop. God will help you. I will help you. People that help, iron sharpens iron. You know, get people in your life to help you. And be honest. Part of the problem with the church is, is we're too worried to be honest, because we're worried about being judged. Church should not be that way. We should be here to help each other. So I say all that not to make you feel condemned, because I don't condemn you either. But I want to challenge you that if you are struggling with a specific sin, that I believe you can overcome. And, and, And sometimes... Some of these things are very deep-rooted way into our life. And they got long, deep roots. But remember, God's a gardener. And he's good at dealing with the roots and planting something in its place. Right? So I want to challenge you to be real with yourself about it. But at the same time, Walk in the mercy and grace of God. That he's just not this big, angry, old man in the sky throwing lightning bolts at everybody. Come to him. Get rid of the shame and the guilt. Come to him. And let him help you, even if you feel like it's the millionth time. He wants to help. Amen? Okay. I hope... You know, when you talk about things like this, every message I speak, I want it to be very pastoral in nature. 
but very specifically in, in things like this, to, that, that it comes across in, in a way that's encouraging and not condemning. I want you to be encouraged, not condemned. Know that you can not feel like all of a sudden you just felt more weight that you can't. Okay? If you feel that way, I didn't do my job. That God will, listen, if there's one thing I know about God, and I've discovered this in my own life, God will make a way even when there seems to be no way. For the many times that I felt like God would surely turn his back on me. Every time I would dare look, he's just looking at me saying, come on, where are you at? He never turns away and leaves me to be mad or angry, right? He wants the newness of life to flow in me. Would you step into it and, and allow him to help? You can't do this on your own. You got to live like you need him. And he will help you. Amen? All right. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we, we just, uh, we put our, our struggles in your hands. In all the hard times, times of failure, times we just, just, just like to give up because we don't feel we can do it. For moments where we sit under condemnation. Lord, once again, we just confess our sins and ask you to help us. Lord, Lord, I pray for each one here that the conviction of the Holy Spirit is very sharp. That, that if we have dulled it in any way in our life, that, that it becomes sharp again. And we are faced with temptation, that, that we hear that voice, that conviction, just, just let us know that this is temptation. And Lord, that we in that moment, is the fight of our life. That we lean into you, we pray, we lean on the scriptures. We call somebody in wisdom. But we're like Joseph with Potiphar's wife. We turn and we flee. That we continually come against any avenue of death within us. Lord, that we will stand, and this is what's so wonderful about you, that your mercies are new every morning because you are great in your faithfulness. And every day is an opportunity of a new start in you. I pray we embrace that. And we live in it. We don't take it for granted. So I pray that you encourage us tonight to keep going, to keep fighting, to keep battling, to keep in the struggle till you see us through and the kingdom grows in us in a greater way. 
So we thank you for your grace and your mercy and your patience. So, so, so maybe before I, I say amen here, you just personally just have a moment with God. It may not be about this specific subject, but maybe something you're struggling with. That once again, you just cast your care upon him because he cares for you. You ask him to help you deal with this struggle and to bring you through. And in the moment of your weakness, that his power is evident and made perfect, that he will see you through. We believe that. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, for your glory, Jesus. Amen. All right, look at your neighbor and say, you can do it. You got this. Let them know you got this. You know why? Tell them because Jesus is with you. Tell them. Jesus is with you. Amen? Amen. All right, we'll see you Sunday morning. Back to the parables of Jesus. Bring somebody out. We'll look forward to having you here. Have a very, very good end of the week.